What could loving your neighbor actually look like? Welcome to the Journey with Care podcast, your online community of sojourners who are growing more loving in neighborhoods all across Canada. We'll navigate into hot topics about child welfare, faith, and reconciliation. Be challenged with real-life stories and honest conversations that will inspire you to love others well. We're glad you've joined us on this Journey with Care. Well, here we are. Care Impact is on the road again. We are in Vancouver, BC. And with me here, I have in studio Johan Heinrichs, our podcast engineer. Welcome, Johan. Good to be here. And our very special guest. Actually, we're the guest in his home. And we're just so delighted to be in your home. And thank you, Daniel Whitehead, for coming on the show. Oh, thanks for coming to visit. It's amazing. I've been on so many podcasts but no one's ever come to my home. So I feel very privileged that you've come well, all this way. Well, this is a bit of a care impact style. We like doing homes. We like doing connections, uh, making it real. So we're just honored to be here. Yeah. So we're talking about the sanctuary course today, right? This is why we're here? Yeah, absolutely. So just recently, Care Impact was introduced to this mental health course put on by the Sanctuary Mental Health. And um, that is how we connected. And we came across you through Stronger Philanthropy. I believe that was our first connection. And we instantly hit it off because as I was looking at your resources through mental health, I went to my team and I said, this is the missing gap that Care Impact needs because so much as we work with children and child welfare and the needs that come up and we're introducing the church to care in these spaces, we're realizing mental health is a needed area for training. And we were introduced to your resources, excellent stuff. Can you tell us a little bit more about uh, your course? Yeah, of course. So the Sanctuary course is an eight-session course, very much kind of made in the image of, of the Alpha course in many ways. So it's a resource that anyone, anywhere can use. It's completely free. And it really takes a community designed with small groups in mind. It will take any small group through this journey of building a framework and a language for mental health. Sanctuary's whole ministry or, or reason for being is really built on this idea that there are many, many churches are well-intended. Many churches want to help. Uh, all churches hopefully want to help, but most are massively ill-equipped to know even where to begin with this subject. It's such a scary, overwhelming subject, the subject of mental health. So Sanctuary, a few years back, we thought, what could we do to help facilitate a much bigger conversation? And we thought, let's focus on helping churches with that initial conversation. How do we build a shared framework, shared language to hold this subject in a way that's informed robustly from a clinical perspective, a theological perspective, and always with the voice of lived experience being center? Yeah, no, that's that's really good. Because I know mental health is becoming more commonly talked about. Um, it is something that we're trying to destigmatize in Canadian society. But one thing that I appreciate about the sanctuary and the course that you've created, you've integrated. Mm good theology and the values of the church with this conversation, this deeper conversation with mental health. And sometimes those things can get confusing um, for people. Sometimes it, it, it can get messed up with spirituality. And yeah. there's a lot of side roads that, that this can take us and take people and things that can be very wounding for people in, in their church experience. Yes. And you are addressing that. I know, Johan, you, you were mentioning earlier how mental health has impacted your family. And uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Well, we had a, 
we had a girl that we brought into our into our home. She's an adult, but she struggled mm-hmm. with mental health and came from some broken family. So I just remember being in hospitals and mental health facilities with her many mm-hmm. nights struggling and she ended up taking her life mm-hmm. actually a few years ago. So just knowing that, like she came to church, she was a believer, yeah. uh, but we didn't know how to handle it. Yeah. And the church, like you said, we felt ill-equipped and we had to go to secular resources, which there are many great resources yeah. out there on how to deal with mental health, but there was nothing church created, nothing yes. that you can intertwine our belief system with, with mental health. So yeah. when I came across the sanctuary course, I'm like, oh, this is exactly what we need. This is amazing. So mm. what brought you into working with sanctuary as an organization? Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a short answer to that and a long answer. The, the short answer is I needed a job. But the, the far more profound and God-centric answer is, yeah, I was a burnt out pastor, so I, but I didn't know it. I, I had absolutely, you know, I reached a point having led a church for, I was senior pastor for nearly eight years. My wife turned to me one day and said, I cannot remember the last time I saw you smile. And I realized I hadn't felt any emotion for over a year. I'd just been emotionally numbed. I hadn't cried, I hadn't laughed. So, okay, warning sign, things need to change. Wind forward a year, we moved away from that. We both put down our vocations. My my wife was a teacher. Ironically, she's now a pastor again. So I leave being a pastor, she becomes a pastor. Isn't mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, we moved to Vancouver to study for a year at Regent College, which was just an excuse for me to do something redemptive with taking time out. Best year of our lives. And uh, before we were due to go back to England, I turned to my wife and said, why are we leaving? And so the long and short of it is we went back to England, moved back to Vancouver six months later, then with two children, our son was just born, and we came over with a vague sense of God's calling. And Vancouver is a place that everyone moves out of. No one, there's no young families moving into Vancouver. So, Those housing um, prices. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. So yeah, we came back in and miraculously, I mean, what started out as what was meant to be a one-year diploma, like an extended sabbatical year, has turned into, I, I did a double master's in theology at Regent, which again, I did more out of passion, not because I not because I think I'm a theologian or because I want to be a theologian, but just I want to learn. And my second master's focused on mental health. I had a focus on looking at uh, alternative theological framing around the world. What can we learn from global theologies about how we understand the person and, and how we understand the theology of mental health? Because there is much that majority world perspectives have to teach the West on, on how to hold this subject. So um, it turned into a double master's and I recently became, we became Canadians. So what was a one-year thing has turned into something more. And along the way, I applied for a job with this small nonprofit called Sanctuary. It was the only job I applied for. I met through random person I met who just said, I just got a feeling you should apply for this job. And so I did. And to my utter surprise, they hired me. And what was a two-person, it was two part-time employees at the time, is now close to 20 full-time people across three countries. Wow, that's really inspiring. Yeah, it's, it's, the growth has been absolutely remarkable. But So the organization was six years old when I took it over. But it was, it was a beautiful organization with incredible roots and foundations, but it didn't have a scalable model. It was just focused on Vancouver. So really what I've been a part of doing with the team over the last four years is working out ways we can create resources that can impact everyone everywhere. And we've had downloads in over 60 countries and close to a quarter of a million people have been through the sanctuary course. I remember you uh, being at our house in Winnipeg when you were traveling through there. And that's something that really excited me. As Kieran Pack, we are that small 
a seven-year-old organization. Mm. And we are building something that is scalable, but just seeing the enormity of the the challenge. And you've been a really big encouragement to us Mm. because our vision is nationwide. And I just love your expertise and your your wisdom that you've shared. I'm still chewing over some of those things because we're going to go there, but it's not easy to go from a small startup with a great idea, but to actually scale it out. And we're, we're seeing some of the resources. I hope people check it out. What, what place do they go to to check out the resources? Don't just take it from me. Go check it out. Sanctuarymentalhealth.org or you can find us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook. Yeah, and it's just quality, quality videos and resources that I just, I really love the vision that, that you have carried. What has been maybe one of your greatest highlights or surprises along the way in that development process? What gets you up in the morning? What makes you think, oh, we're on track? Yeah. Well, there's probably my instinctive way of answering that is maybe not getting at the question you're asking, but I love networking and I love building. So this has just been like pure gift. There are challenges, right? You talk about the challenges of scaling. You hit these barriers at different points of growth and you think, oh, this is the most insurmountable challenge ever. And then six months later, you're like, oh, I've done that. But then you get to another one and you're like, no, no, this is the big one. This is the- <laughs> that was base camp. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm currently in a, it feels like a big one, but I often talk about, you know, Sanctuary is like a teenager. So, you know, people think, oh, it's this big thing because we've got connections to all these people, but it's really not. It's, it's a teenager. We're trying to work out who we are in this liminal phase. But the, the big exciting things for me along the way, you know, it ranges, uh, you know, like having the Archbishop of Canterbury as our patron is kind of an unbelievable thing. We're the, wow. only, we're the only North American organization that has him as a patron. That's kind of a big deal. Having like the Church of England wrote a letter last week to every parish in England telling them to run the sanctuary course. They don't do that. I was told that three years ago. We don't do that. They've just done it. So these things like this give me a real kick because I'm like, oh, God, you're up to something. But I think some of the big things we learned in creating the resource, I think, is actually the power of lived experience. If you can give it the right voice, the right platform for someone to speak truthfully and honestly about their mental health journey, just that in itself is so incredibly powerful and transformative. The challenge often is how do you platform that in an environment? Well-intended. I mean, I love the church. I'm still ordained. I still preach regularly. Well intended, how do you platform that in an environment that isn't really geared up to people talking about really difficult things that don't have an obvious or natural conclusion to them this side of Jesus' return? That's been a great gift for us, but it's still a challenge for many people. So you said it's very similar to the alpha model. Yeah. Did you take prompts from that to develop the course? Yeah, yeah. When when I joined Sanctuary, it's no I mean, I'm not it's not like I'm some guru. I, I came in and found that Sanctuary had this amazing material that was delivered in workshops and seminars. And I just said, why don't we make like a mental health alpha course? Because I feel like if someone could do that, it would have a great shot at becoming a movement. You know, as impressive as everything is so far, and it is, we're just getting started. You know, we're working on translations now. So we're translating into German at the moment. We're translating into Russian and Romanian because a, a Catholic parish in Moldova said, we want this in Moldova and they speak Russian and Romanian. We're speaking to a seminary in Ukraine. Uh, we have a Spanish version. So we're now thinking about the global church. So again, it's like, I just need like $10 million to do all of this, but I'm doing it with like one. So it's, <laughs> Lord knows. But it is very exciting to think that we are making an impact in communities all over the world just by 
daring to be an organization that says, hey, we, we think we can help the church have that conversation. And this goes so much deeper than just educating the church on what it is. It's actually an agent of transformation. And that's pretty exciting because that's transformative into not only impacting those that are dealing with mental health, but those, the community that actually surrounds people with it. And it creates a safe environment. So it's actually a community development model that is so much more than just informative. And that's so exciting because I know my family too, we have, uh, you've you've seen pictures of our family and uh, introduced you to some of them, but we've come from various backgrounds through foster adoption and, and we've, we've just have a interesting family, but there's so much mental health that we come in contact with. And even within the community that I think often my experience as mama bear is so many times in the church, people don't even know what mental health looks like because the behavior might not be showing. There might not be any obvious visible signs, then everything's good. But what I love about your course is that it actually helps people to see behind that that mental health is actually all around us. And even with internal, you you mentioned that you didn't even know you were burnt out, right? And just that self-awareness. Yeah, and I can even even make it more front and center than that because I have to do this because at Sanctuary, we encourage people to do this. But my own mental health journey at the moment, I tell you, it's not plain sailing. And it's so funny. Like a couple of months ago, I just hit a wall and I haven't felt that low in years in years and years and years. And suddenly you, you're being triggered and reminded of these places you've been. And it's really born out of, to be honest, it's overdoing it or carrying too much. And as wonderful as that, I love sack. Like I was talking with a, a someone who directs and produces a, a main flagship TV show on BBC because they're talking about doing an episode on Sanctuary. Like, my life is ridiculous right now. But he, he said to me the other day, yeah, it was kind of with tears in his eyes. He said, you have the best job in the world. And I said, I do, but it doesn't feel like it at the moment. <laughs> you know, Like you don't see that you have to kind of reposition yourself in carrying something that's growing all the time. And the pressures and stresses are different. And so um, I've, I've been through a pretty low patch and I'm not saying I'm entirely out of it, but I do at least know because of my grounding in Sanctuary's work, I can recognize it and I can go, First thing I needed to do, I need to talk to one of my friends. So mm. I go and talk to one of my closest friends and I just, just cry with him. And, and he's like, man, why didn't you tell me? You lead a mental health organization. And I'm like, well, I'm not the guy. Normally I'm making space for everyone else to tell their stories. I don't really tell my own. So, And what you're describing is that you're human. Yeah. And mental health is something we all have to deal with, right? It, yeah. it's, it's health. It's like physical health and spiritual health. We are all human. Mm. And I think it's not discriminatory. No. On whatever your background is or circumstance, we yeah. can all we all need health mentally. And can you talk a little bit more about the integration of spirituality and mental health and mm. how that sometimes gets confused or or what is the pathway forward? How do we balance that together? Have a balanced idea of what mental health is as a Christian. Yeah, just to add to that, I think it was mentioned in the first session, actually, where typically the church would just pray away mental health problems, right? Like I was going to ask about some pushback. Do you run into any pushback from the church? Uh, It's like, no, you need to pray through these things, which you do, but there's the whole 
it's like your body you got to take care of it but yeah no i mean i can try and speak about all of that i think you know if you just step back from it for a minute as as people in the church who are you know who love the church and love theology and doctrine all those things if you step away from it and just go you know if someone was hungry you wouldn't say if someone comes she said i'm hungry like if you come up to me you, you say you're hungry i'm not going to go oh can i pray for you if someone comes and said, I'm really thirsty, oh, can I pray for you? There is a, a biological need which Jesus himself, God in flesh, actually, you know, also did. Like he ate and he drank and he slept. And, and there are plenty of indications in Scripture when he would take time away that he was cultivating a rhythm of well-being. When we talk about, you know, vulnerability and the need for vulnerability in the church and that we all have mental health. Yes, and God had mental health. Jesus himself, and we see, you know, someone in the, when he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, this is not a picture of someone who's flourishing in their mental health. This is not someone who's hashtag blessed. You know, this is someone struggling. This is someone going through a very dark and difficult situation. When he's hanging on the cross, naked, and he's crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's publicly questioning everything in a way that I've never seen modeled in Christian leadership. And yet our Lord, our God, the God whom we worship, does that. And he doesn't get an answer. The question is left hanging. So actually, at the heart of our faith are unanswered questions, our mental anguish and struggle, which is no surprise because we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And, and God has created us in this way, this complex organ called the brain, which has certain needs, which isn't to denounce spiritual reality or other factors, social factors, biological, psychological, spiritual factors. But the point is, it's way more complicated than just saying the answer is to pray more. Um, prayer is never a bad thing. I can't think of a situation where it's wrong to pray, unless you were to pray in a way that neglected meeting people's needs and caring for them. Like if, you know, if I said, oh, I'm going to pray for you, I'm not going to give you food. I'd say, no, it's probably the wrong thing to do. You should give them food and then pray for them. So I, I, I think all of that, you know, the spirituality of mental health you know, in a nutshell, God has made us. We are biological beings made in the image of God. Jesus was a human being in flesh, and we see Jesus wrestling and struggling in his mental health. So why wouldn't we? And prayer and spirituality has a vital role in cultivating well-being and healing. But very often what we get hung up on in the church, and I speak to myself and the tradition I'm a part of and the tradition that I love, what we miss is we confuse healing and curing. So we get so fixated on curing, we need to cure the problem and then everything's fine. Well, actually, I know people that live with mental illnesses that have amazing faith. I actually envy their faith. So who is more well, hmm. me or them? Who, who, who knows God more? The person in the midst of depression who's spending time with Jesus and weeping and turns up to church crying out to God and me who's kind of okay and I'm just pay my tithe, don't cuss and, you know, attend church and everything's fine. I think in this topsy-turvy kingdom, we need to look at it differently. That's beautiful. And right now, I think many of our listeners, if they're honest, if we're honest, uh, we are dealing with mental health concerns and seeking the Lord. But what I hear you saying is that your mental health isn't a measurement of how spiritual you are. It's not a, a measurement of your value before God or that you are being seen or not seen before the Lord, that you are simply being human, but that actually there's a gifted side to the struggle with mental health 
that so many of us are blinded to. I'm not trying to glorify mental health, but if that causes us to need God more and to need others more, that is the gospel. And not that anyone would pursue mental illness or not take care of the temple that God has given us. But I think so often we have it wrong. Yeah, absolutely. To put it another way, the presence or absence of mental illness or mental health challenges is not the ultimate arbiter on your health, on your overall health. We hear things that sound so compelling. Well-intended people say things like the most important, we've probably all heard sermons like this, the most important part of you is your mind. Like your mind, that's the most important, the battle for the mind. Like you, you say that and you're really reducing person to their cognitive ability, which is really problematic for people experiencing dementia, for people experiencing other maybe often more challenging uh, situations, whether it be uh, psychosis or... Um, neurodifferences. Neurodifferences. There are all kinds of things that immediately says, well, you're less than a person then, or you're failing. And, and again, I would just question that. That is a modern Western ideology, which isn't rooted in a biblical worldview. It's rooted in a very modern scientific post-enlightenment idea. So I think there is plenty of rich heritage in the church history and, and there is some amazing work by theologians out there in a growing field to push back against that and say, the biblical definition of health is not what's going on for you biologically. You could take it a step further in the West and say very often it's about what's in your bank account. Mm. That we really go, well, you're, if you're wealthy and healthy, then you are amazing. You're like, you've got an amazing spiritual life. The Bible doesn't portray that at all. The, the arbiter of health is our relationship to God which is also predicated on our relationship to other people, to ourselves and creation. So they're all mixed together. You can't remove those relationships. Yeah, and if you want to encounter Jesus, where does he say? It's the people that are downcast, the, the ones that are mourning, the ones who are grieving, yeah. the ones who are alienated from society. Yes. That's where you will find him in those places, and he comes near to those. Yeah. God plays a little bit of favoritism in that way. Because <laughs> yeah. those who have everything, are we seeking God with all our heart in the same way? Absolutely. And Jesus, you know, the ones Jesus goes for in the Gospels are those who think they've got it all sorted out. Those who think they're fine. They're the one Jesus really goes for the juggler. Yeah, you brood of vipers, them. you snakes. You know, who's going to rescue you in the day of judgment? And yet those who are lowly in spirit, again, there's always this hospitality. And again, so sanctuary's work you've kind of alluded to it it is indirectly about the renewal of the church it's about saying the church has so much to offer this conversation it has something so unique and it isn't about learning new skills it's about really finding a way to take the teachings of jesus and apply them in a very practical way to people at the point of crisis where we present a message through implicitly through the framework we have explicitly through the language we use and things like that we create and present an environment that says you are welcome as you are you are of immense value and worth and we believe you have something to teach us about who God is as you are. You don't have to be, you know, fixed. You can't do parentheses on, on a podcast, but you know, you, you don't have to be fixed. You don't have to be biologically well to be of value to this community. And that's why Care Impact really wants to promote your work and the the resources that you are providing for churches and you give it freely, which I love and it's just top quality. But we really, if we're going to invite the church into spaces of vulnerability, let's face it, in child welfare, people don't just wake up, gee, where are my kids? There's been a lot of mental health issues and poverty issues that lead to mental health. There's, it's so intertwined. 
But mental health is so often traced within any fragmented family system or child that is in a, a group home. Mental health is such a delicate, sacred space. If we're going to invite the church into those spaces, we are so passionate about that we are also going into it informed. And I think what it's doing for me as I'm taking the course, our team is taking it and getting a lot out of it. What it's doing for me is it's helping position me in a place more of humility of I have something to learn and people have something valuable to teach me to see other people in the image of God. And there is something enviable about somebody that's truly seeking God because he is everything they need. He's everything I need too, but sometimes I'm, I'm okay with the conveniences of life and life is too good for me. And I don't necessarily pursue God in the same way. Yeah. And following on from that, you know, one of the things that makes Sanctuary's voice quite unique not there aren't many voices speaking about this subject even in the world there aren't many but even among them something that makes us a bit unique people are going to listen to this and copy us now is we would strongly push back against the narrative that says like even well-intended christian organization could say we want to help you through the struggles or your mental health struggles we want to help you overcome your mental health challenges Sanctuary, just massive red alert. Do, 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 do. Why are you necessarily presenting someone's mental health challenge as an entirely negative experience? Because some people draw a lot of meaning from what's going on in their mental health. Right. So I'm not going to sit here and go, well, you know, medically, according to a Western idea of medicine, you're ill. So we need to fix the illness so that you can integrate into society. How dare I say that? This is someone's life. Like, right. This is the, they draw meaning from this. I should be listening. If they're being caused distress, then fine, let's help. But maybe they're not. Maybe they're fine as they are. Maybe they've got something to teach me about what's really going on in the world instead of me saying, well, you need to see the world the way I do so that I feel more comfortable with things. With Care Impact, we often say that that child and that parent or that youth in distress, they are the anointed one. The church actually needs them just as much or more, arguably then they need you. They're not our projects. But God is going to use that situation to create a relationship that is authentic and transformative, but mutually transformative because people are not our projects. But God has called us to be a people of community. And how are we going to be a community if we are alienating those that do not fit our sense of health? So you kind of touched on it. Let's just do an ideal scenario here. So what would it look like for the church to be fully engaged in mental health? Let's say the whole church took this mental health course. What kind of community would that look like in your in your mind? Yeah, well, I think the church would be a lot bigger than it is, which often gets us excited in the West. Oh, more numbers. But the church would probably rediscover something it once had. Uh, my first master's is in church history. Pre-welfare state, the church was the center of community in the Western world. That's why at the center of every town, city, and village, if you go to Britain, the center of every town, there's a spire pointing to the heavens. And that's because it was the center of care, holistic care, well-being, all of those things. So I think if every church everywhere ran the sanctuary course and had that shared framework and language, it would be famous for being an amazing place to receive care and hospitality. It, whether you have any faith or none, it would be a place where people would be saying, hey, you need to go and spend time with those people in that, that church over there because they really know how to care for people. They listen really well. They make space. They, 
they create hospitable space for you to be who you are. So I think that's something that would happen immediately. I think people in the congregations, and I say this as an ordained minister, former pastor whose wife is a pastor, I love the church, I love pastors, but pastors would feel much more at ease, I think, and less pressure to feel like they need to perform or conform to a certain way of being. I think that would be major. And I think people in the congregations would feel a sense of connection with their leaders and with each other. So it would really deepen discipleship relationships it would make the church's mission and reaching other people a lot more effective. And um, everyone would probably enjoy themselves a lot more, actually, because living our authentic lives where Jesus can really meet us, that's exciting. That actually might be part of the pathway to health and being our authentic self. Yeah. It really would mess things up if I had to be somebody that I'm not in order to fit in. And it sounds like it would solve the issue of pastoral burnout, which is prevalent in the church right now, right? It really is. Yeah, no, it would. It would. It would share share the load, as it were, or share the, the challenge with the whole congregation, not just one or two. So when you go to the Sanctuary website, like obviously, like we said, the quality resources, the videos are well done, the audio, you have audio books for the written material. So it's yeah. like multifaceted, which is great. Uh, so where do you see the future of Sanctuary course going? Mm. Do you see it developing in a different pathway? Yeah, I think there are, I mean, I can answer that to the point where I feel like I know where it's going, but beyond that, who knows? Lord knows. I mean, at the moment, we're working on a youth version, a youth course. We're also working on multiple translations, as I said. Uh, there's a bunch of resources, like uh, there's probably nine or 10 resources at various stages of development. There's like a music project we're doing with the Porter's Gate that will come out in the spring, an album of music on mental health with many well-known artists, like literally people like Matt Marr and... Brian Dirksen, Stuart Townend, working on this album. I think Sanctuary's goal is to create a suite of resources on that intersection of faith and mental health. So we have this long-standing goal. The next resource we want to create, at the moment it's all funding dependent, so we're looking to, to fund them, is a what we're calling a community development resource. It's the working title, which is kind of like, if the Sanctuary course is the alpha course, this will be the beta course. This will be pointing out what are churches and parachurch organizations doing and innovating to help put the teachings of sanctuary into practice um, and we want to create hospitable space for all churches to do it their way we want them to be strengths-based what, what is our unique setting and our unique calling to contribute something to the mental health and faith we don't just want a one-size-fits-all approach so that's a resource there are a bunch of resources we're working on and in the long run i think i think our goal is that the church would be known as the safest place for mental health so we're going to keep making resources we're going to keep partnering and building relationships with amazing organizations like Care Impact and collaborating and, and having that posture and that spirit of, can we work together and together create a, a broader conversation about holistic well-being? Yeah. And we're just really excited about this new partnership. You painted a beautiful picture that gets me excited for sure. So you're giving away all these resources. So yeah. how, how can our listeners, how can the church support Sanctuary to develop like the this vision that you just so eloquently cast here. Well, I haven't, I'm not telling you to ask these questions. That's a very generous question of you to ask me. Well, you know, Sanctuary, we exist from donations and foundation grants. And those are, those are the things that we're really, we really exist on. And it's wonderful, you know, a number of churches, we don't ask them to, we haven't yet, have done this beautiful thing where they'll do the Sanctuary course and they'll take up a special offering. 
mm. and just send us a thousand bucks or something. It's amazing. These little churches from people we've never met before, we've never heard about, just suddenly, I think that's that's beautiful. So hopefully, hopefully people are encouraged and inspired by the work that we're doing and hopefully they find in, I know the multiplicity of worthwhile organizations like Care Impact, but hopefully Sanctuary makes it into their end of year giving as as well as Care Impact and others. Well, I would like to encourage our listeners, if mental health has been something part of your story or those that you love and you are wanting to help others or you are looking for some strength and support in a faith-based and uh, mental health-informed way, I would encourage you to check out their website. We'll have it in the show notes and give generously. Uh, we believe in generosity. There's, God is not a God of scarcity and we really would love to see when you thrive we actually benefit as your partners. And as we partner with you, we share that vision of wanting to see the church healthy and whole and see that community active and vibrant, really be that light in the community uh, and really be something that would bring wholeness and healing, not only to the child and family that we work with in the child welfare system that we're connecting with the church, but we all want to see the church healthy. We love the church. Yeah. We all love the church, right? And it's just a beautiful honor for us to partner with organizations like yourself that share that same vision. Because as Care Impact, our vision is far bigger than our organization can do alone. We have this one lane. Yeah. But we are so thankful for you, Daniel, and the work that you are doing so faithfully. You're just blessing so many people in your organization. So thank you so much for taking time to be on the show. And I hope people can follow you. Like I said, it'll be on careimpact.ca on the Academy. You're going to see a link there to all of the resources to your page, or you can go directly to uh, Sanctuary Mental Health. That's great. Thank you, Wendy. Thank you, Johan. It's been a real, real privilege and joy to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Journey with Care podcast, where paths connect over real life stories and honest conversations. We hope you continue to join us on this journey of faith, reconciliation and loving our neighbor. Journey with Care is an initiative of Care Impacts, a Canadian charity dedicated to connecting and equipping the whole church across Canada to effectively journey in community with children and families in hard places. Learn how Care Impact is transforming the way churches engage child welfare with our Care Portal technology and academy training. To support this podcast or learn more about us, go to careimpact.ca or follow us in the show notes. We're so glad you are part of this journey with us as we journey with care, even in the messy. Until next time.